All right, good. guys, good evening. How we doing? We doing good? All right, all right. I love that song that we ended with, You Reign It All, and uh, that includes your dating life, or lack thereof. He reigns over all of it, all right? So, uh, we're, gonna, it, it, we're gonna go through a lot of material tonight. I'm excited for what we're gonna go through. We are not gonna be in one text. This is one, gonna be one of those messages where we kind of hop all over the place. If you are a note taker, buckle up. Um, if, you, if you can't write fast enough, you can just take screenshots of, of whatever's on the screens. And if you need uh, more information afterwards, come find me. I'll just uh, give you my notes. And so um, I'm excited for, for what we're going to go through tonight because when we, when we think about dating, like I said last week, it can bring up a whole bunch of different emotions. It can bring up memories, good, bad, and, and whatnot. And so we want to acknowledge that this can be a hard conversation, but hopefully tonight that you will walk out of here with a little bit more clarity, that you will walk out of here with a little more direction and actually hopeful, like, okay, I've got something to go with, all right? And so as we talk about this dating thing, the reason a lot of the, the, the wounds may be there and a lot of the baggage that comes along with dating is because the modern uh, process of dating is really, if we think about it, just one huge advertising campaign that no one is in control of. Right, you, it, it's your own brand, like you are putting it out there, right? And so, or maybe not, maybe you're just waiting for somebody to put it out there so you can you know, uh, call them or, or get in touch. And so here's the, here's the issue is, it's an advertising campaign. And so they only tell you and show you the best part of it. Like, like when I was growing up, this is a whole different day, uh, smoking was legal anywhere. Restaurants, airplanes, anywhere. Like smoking was a, a thing, um, and, and the cool kids did it. And so one of the biggest campaign ads of all time is this campaign ad that involved the Marble Man, all right? And, and it, it was just an image of this guy sitting on a horse in Montana, and he looked awesome. I mean, you know, kind of that five o'clock shadow beard, tanned, kind of just wrinkly enough to look grizzled, you know, like, it was like every, like every guy wants to be that guy and every gal wants to meet that guy, right? Like it was that, it was that kind of image. And so, and this was, this was a famous campaign ad. It was in every, again, my age, it was in every magazine, it was in newspapers, it was in all the things. Here's what they don't tell you, is that what he was selling will kill you. And it actually killed him. He was a lifetime smoker and he died of lung cancer. And so dating, in a lot of ways, is like an advertising campaign, right? It just, we, we present the world that we want to present. And then there's a lot of anxiety that comes along with it as we try and figure out, like, okay, what, what is real and what is embellished? What is, what is true and what's just blatantly false, right? And this is where the stress comes in. The stress of, like, who is this person? Can I actually trust what they've, what they've presented to me? And so that's why tonight we are gonna look at this subject of who we should be dating. Because what I wanna do is tonight is help sort through all the advertisements and shrink the pool of applicants for you. That's what I wanna do. When we apply for a job, the resume goes into a stack, who knows how long. And they have criteria that when they look at that resume that automatically disqualifies this one. This one, absolutely not. Not even gonna spend a minute. And what they're doing is they're trying to shrink the pool of applicants so that this stack, these are legit candidates. They, 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 they meet uh, some standards that, that are non-negotiable. And so hopefully tonight what I, what I hope to do is shrink 
the pool of applicants for you as you think about dating um, and getting married someday. So I've got four disclaimers tonight. Buckle up, here we go. Number one, if you were not here last week, I wanna bring you up to speed really quickly is that we are gonna be talking about dating as an evaluation process for one reason, and that is for a lifelong God-honoring marriage. And so everything you hear tonight, everything you hear the next two weeks is to that end. That's where we're going. So as we look at God's word, we are not looking, right, for, for a good time. We are looking for a lifetime. And so all the things that you're gonna hear are to that end. You would meet someone for a lifetime. The world we live in says just look for a good time, all right? And so if that's you tonight, if you're like, hey, that's, that's the season I'm in, you're gonna be frustrated and probably disagree with almost everything I say tonight. And that's fine, that's okay, because we're looking for two different things, right? And so the, my second disclaimer is, as you evaluate, we're, we're talking about uh, dating as an evaluation process. Here's the danger in doing this. We get into this micromanaged judging role where we're just judging everyone, right? On, on looks, on assumptions, on their, their Instagram. Where we're making these wild judgments, trying desperately to evaluate. What I wanna, the disclaimer is, here, here's the deal. As you evaluate others, potential dates, I also wanna challenge you to evaluate yourself. Because as you evaluate them, guess what? They're, hopefully they're evaluating you. And so if, if we're gonna hold other people to a standard, right, that, that God's word lays out for us, then we have to also look at ourselves and say, am, am I the type of guy that the, the girl I'm looking for is looking for? Am I the type of girl that the guy I'm looking for is looking for? So it has to be a two-way street. It can't just be, hey, I'm just gonna sit in the seat of judgment and look at all of these people and make my judgments. No, we first look to ourselves. And as we go through this week and next week and the next week, there might be some things that we bring up that, that you're like, that's not true of me. I might consider at this moment, depending on what it is, maybe you don't date right now. There might be some things that come up that you're like, you know what, that's, that's not true of me. And so maybe for a season, I need to not date. Instead of looking to date, maybe I need to realize I don't need to be dating right now. All right, number three, my third disclaimer, is that you never marry a finished product. Right, as we think, as this, tonight as we talk about who you are gonna date, it, it, when we start looking at evaluation, you have to understand that everyone in this room, everyone in the world is a work in progress. You don't marry a finished product. You marry the beginning of a long journey of growth. And so what we need to be looking at is more of the trajectory of that person, not necessarily where they are right now, because that's not where they will always be. So we want to look at the trajectory of what, where are they headed? What can I learn about them that tells me and gives me um, some, some insider information to say, hey, they are, the trajectory of their life is healthy. Or the trajectory of their life is like, eh, it's a little suspect. Right? And then the last thing that I'm just gonna, this is a huge blanket. I know there's a lot of disclaimers, but this is a nuanced topic and we're not talking nuanced, so I, I gotta give disclaimers, is that everything that I'm talking about tonight, I'm gonna give you five things to look for in who you should date. Every single one of these things takes a massive amount of discernment and wisdom. And if I'm honest with you and I'm honest with myself, you are not the end all be all of discernment and wisdom and neither am I. That's why we come to God's word 
We walk in step with God's spirit and we surround ourselves with God's people to help us discern. Because it's really hard to discern when we got the, the, the little fe- the feelings. We're like, ah, they like me. Feels, it feels good to be liked. I'm sure they're fantastic. Let's, let's go ahead and do this, right? Like, like that's part of it. Like, so we, we bring other people who are not romantically interested in that person into the process. We widen that circle and say, hey, would you watch? Would you listen? Would you give me feedback on how I'm handling this? And so I just want to put those out, out, out front is that we got to evaluate ourselves, right? You're not going to date nor marry a finished product. And each one of these things have nuance within them, and it's going to require you to have a lot of discernment. And so let's get into it. So who should you date? Number one, someone with the same allegiance as you. And I'm speaking to the Christian here, those who are, who are followers of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 15, Paul writes this. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness, or what partnership has light with darkness? Or what harmony has Christ with the devil? And what has a believer in common with the unbeliever? All right, Paul's making a very clear statement here. Your allegiances need to align. If you are a follower of Christ, why would you marry someone who is not? The very, thi- the very foundation of your life, they're not about. And so he's saying, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Like the way I, th- I think about this is that Paul's talking about marrying and then therefore dating someone who is committed and submitted to Christ. Not just a church attender, not just somebody who kind of attends something every once in a while, but someone who is submitted and committed to Christ. There is a humongous difference between someone who attends something and someone who is submitted to something. All right, and so as we think about what does that mean to be aligned with our allegiance, it's a commitment and a submission to Christ. Because anyone can say they are a Christian. Heck, if you're born in a certain state, in a certain area of the country, you wake up, you come out of the womb, and you're like, I'm a Christian. Right, like we know that. We, li- we live in one of those places. And so that, that means nothing. A lot of people say that. A lot of people claim, I go to, I, I'm a Christian. I go to church on, you know, Christmas Eve and Easter, maybe Mother's Day. But are they committed and are they submitted to Christ? The word allegiance is important because it determines your direction. All right, what you are, where you have aligned your allegiance with will determine the direction of your life. Here's the definition of allegiance. Allegiance means loyalty or commitment of a subordinate to a superior or of an individual to a group or a cause And so my question then is, who are you submitted to? Or to what are you submitted? Because we're we're submitted to all kinds of things. And so again, if we're gonna evaluate someone else, we also have to evaluate evaluate ourselves and say, hey, what am I, I, like if you were to look at my life, what am I actually committed to? And what am I actually submitting to? Hopefully it's more than just our urges and desires. Because that's what makes us different than animals, is that we have thought, we have critical thought, and we are not slaves to those things, right? When a dog is hungry, it eats. When it's gotta go to the bathroom, it squats and pees, right? Like it just, it just follows its urges. It's not submitted to anything other than its biology. 
And so as followers of Jesus, we have to be asking, where do our allegiances lie? Where's our allegiance and where, what are they? Where's their allegiance? What are they loyal and committed and submitted to? Because here's a, a quick little equation. Your allegiance informs your values and your values inform your goals and your goals will direct your life. Like this is, this is a lot deeper than I think we think about dating, isn't it? Like what, where is their allegiance? What are they submitted to? Because what they submit to will inform what they value. And then out of their value, they will have their goals for their life. And the goals for their life will direct where their life goes. We need to know these things because we're in it for a lifetime, not a good time. Because if we're in it for a lifetime, there will be good times. And we gotta be asking these questions. This means, and hear me say this, this is gonna be hard, all right, this means that there are going to be a lot of very cute, funny, attractive, witty people that you need to just let go right on by. Because they, their allegiance is not with Jesus. Their allegiance is to money. Their allegiance is to vanity. Their allegiance is to pleasure. Their allegiance is to comfort. Their allegiance is to power. Their allegiance is to their ego. And you just let them walk right on by. You're good looking, but go ahead. Like there's, that, that's gonna happen a lot. Because we're shrinking the applicant pool. Head on by, come on. I'm not about that, right? Just let them go. I don't wanna to tell too many stories here, but this always reminds me of the, 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 the exact moment that I noticed my wife as a potential date. All right, so those of you who don't know her, her name's Taylor, and we met through a ministry here in town that I worked for, and she was a volunteer. And so for the first seven to eight months that I knew her, she was not even on my radar because our ministry said you cannot date volunteers. And so it wasn't even on my radar. I did not look at her that way. I didn't think about her that way. But there was one meeting that we had with our leaders in February. I believe it was of 2002. I'm old, okay. <laughs> and we circled up and we're like, we're gonna pray for our students. It was a student ministry and we're gonna pray for our kids, our small group kids. And so we started praying. And then over to my left, Taylor was sitting a couple seats down and she started praying. And the words that she was speaking were bringing her to tears. Big surprise. <laughs> to me, I was like, what's happening? <laughs> but I remember very vividly, I was sitting there praying and I pulled one of these. <laughs> I stopped praying. And the only thought that came to my head is, who is this girl? And so I can tell you with complete honesty, the first thing that attracted me to her was her allegiance to Christ. And then everything else just fell into line. And so the allegiance, what are we submitted and committed to is a foundational thing for Christians as we date. Because when our, your allegiance is first and foremost to God, then those with the same allegiance will find that incredibly attractive. When your allegiances align, there will be an attraction because of that. At the end of each point tonight, I'm gonna to give you questions to consider. So here's two questions to consider when it comes with allegiance. Is one, who or what are you or they submitted to? Marinate on that question. If we were to watch your life, what does it look like you're submitted to? And then secondly, are they committed to a local church and serving there? And the reason I throw this in there is because this requires commitment, 
And it requires a submitting of your schedule, of your life, of your heart, of your time. Right? And so these are just two questions. I had like seven questions and I had to pare them down. So if you want more, we can give you more. But who or what are they or you submitted to? And another question is, are they committed to a local church body where they are serving the Lord through the, the local church? That includes a lot of submission. It includes a lot of commitment, not to a place, but to a Lord, Jesus Christ. All right, number two, who should you date? Someone with character, not just characteristics. All right, Proverbs 31.30 says, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And then in 1 Samuel 16, 7, we see this famous line, for the Lord sees, not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Because the reality is, charm is deceitful. It's an advertising campaign. Charm is just, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna treat you and talk sweet to you because I want you to buy what I'm selling. And this is the danger of dating apps, is it not? Right, it's the, it's the best picture they have ever taken in their entire life. That's the picture they choose. And they have a little caption or a, a witty little quote that they have carefully crafted, sent to multiple friends for proofreading, and then that's, they throw that up there. They're showing you the characteristics. What we need to know is the character behind the characteristics. The word character just means this, the particular combination of qualities in a person that makes them different from others. And so the question then becomes, what makes them different? What makes them tick? What is developing and shaping their character that is unique to them? Right, going back to 1 Samuel, this is a story where the Lord tells the prophet Samuel, hey, I have found a man after my own heart. Go to Jesse, it's one of his boys. And Samuel the prophet goes and he says, hey, Hey, uh, Jesse, bring all your boys. And, and then they, they line up. And Samuel sees one particular, he's the oldest. He's like, this has got to be the Lord's anointed, to be the king over Israel. And it was not. And that's where this verse comes from. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And so are we looking for what the Lord is looking for? That's a hard one, because our culture that we live in only cares about one thing, and that is appearance. Like, we worship at the foot of appearance. It ruins lives, it destroys lives, it controls lives, it controls thought, I mean, you think about the vanity of our world, and the value we put on looks, it's disgusting. Dating for characteristics does one other thing, is it breeds a consumer mentality, not a companion mentality. When we're, just, when we're just shopping for characteristics, we're trying to put something together, right? Like we make dating kind of like the Starbucks drive-thru, don't we? Right, here, I'm just gonna read this so I don't screw it up. Like we go to, we go to Starbucks, we're like, can I have a grande quad shot, skinny espresso on ice, four pumps of classic, extra ice with oat milk in a venti cup? Whoa. But if we're honest, sounds a lot like how we date. I want this person, I want them to be this tall. I want them to be fit, but not too fit. 
I want them to have this color hair and this color eyes. I want them to be kind of outdoorsy, but not like super redneck. Like, I, like, 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 like we're, we're, we're putting together a, a unicorn. And we expect like, God, what's going on? What's wrong? Why, where, where is he? Where is she? It's because we're trying to put together characteristics. Like we care more about the features that they have than the foundation that they have. And so instead of treating people like a Starbucks drink and trying to customize the perfect person, we need to realize that there is no perfect person. The only perfect person is Jesus who we are committed and submitted to. You see, characteristics fade over time, but God-shaped character develops over time. And so you think about it from a term of an investment. If you're going to invest in a relationship, are you ever going to invest in something that you know is going to fade away and make that your number one reason to ask someone out? Or do we wait and we say, hey, I wanna find out the character of this person? Because that's something that will grow, not fade. So the questions to consider here are, are this. Do they have a moral compass outside of themselves? Right, this kind of goes back to my last point of being committed and submitted. But like their character, is their character being, and, and the second is what influences are shaping them? Because th those are the things that shape our character. Is what is it? What are they involved in? What do they listen to? Who do they listen to? Where do they spend their time? Like these are all things that are shaping them. Are they in a small group? Do they go to church? Do they have a mentor? Like, I, I mean, all these are all the questions I could have thrown on here that I'm just throwing out. But in the end of, of the discussion, it's like, are, are we looking for characteristics or are we looking for character? When we start thinking about these things, we start dating differently. We start seeing dating differently. And then all of a sudden, all those cute people, all the witty and the funny and the handsome, we, we, we can let them go by. And it doesn't hurt our feelings. We're like, okay. It's not a missed opportunity now. Before, I was like, oh, why not me, right? Now I know, like, I know why not me. Keep going. My third point is this. Why, who should you date? Someone running the same race at the same pace. Hebrews 12, one through two gives us a great principle. And he says, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. This kind of goes back to the second Corinthians six of that unequally yoked idea, right? Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for you. As a follower of Christ, there is a specific race that we are running. The author Ben Stewart, who I get a lot of great information from me, one of my favorite guys to listen to, says this when it comes to this idea of running the same race at the same pace. He says this, I'm not suggesting with this that there are different tiers within the family of God. We are all children of God by grace alone. And yet, within the family of God, there are people at different times who are pursuing him with different levels of intensity. And then he uses in his book, which is a fantastic book we got on the back table, a marathon example. If you're, a, if you're running a marathon, which marriage is a marathon, all right, be in it for the marathon, not the sprint. That's why we're going for character, not characteristics. We're in it for the marathon that it is. Is that if you're a marathon runner and you're a six miler, right? You, you can run a mile in six minutes. You know who you don't want to run with? The casual jogger. Because that entire race, you are gonna be frustrated because you are not running at the pace that you want to run at. 
that you have trained for, that you live for, and that you actually enjoy running at. And on the flip side, if you're the jogger, you don't want to lock, be in lockstep with, with the six miler because you're going to feel less than and terrible that you're like, I'm so sorry, you know, like the whole time. And it's just discouraging. That kind of relationship, like we gotta find somebody who's one, running the same race as, a, as we pursue Christ. And then, and here, here's the best way I can say this over my years of experience is you fix your eyes on Jesus, right? That's what Hebrews 12 says, fix your eyes on Jesus. Serve Jesus. Grow in your faith in Jesus. And then every once in a while, while you are fixed on Jesus, look to the side and say, is anyone running with me? And if no one is, all right, fix my eye, let's go, let's keep going. And then a little bit while longer, like, all right, is, anybody, is there anyone around me in my proximity that, is, that seems to be running the same race at the same pace? That is your dating pool. Before we follow our heart in dating, we need to remember to inform our heart of where we want to end up and who you want to run with to get there. Right, this whole time, we cannot forget the end goal. The end goal is a lifetime, God-honoring marriage. And so when we're thinking about that, when that's our, and our goal, we, that determines who we run with and what pace we run at. Oftentimes, though, because of fear or insecurity or even desperation, we have the tendency to try to make Mr. Right now Mr. Right, Okay? Because we have insecurity around this, because we have fear around this, that it may never happen for me, that when that one person comes like, hey, you wanna go for a jog? You're like, okay. And it ain't going great. And you're running a different race at a different pace, but there's, there's desperation and there's fear and there's wounds and there's insecurities. We're like, you know what? It's good for right now. Let's see if the, it can be good forever. Instead of saying, you know what? We're gonna cut bait. You're not running the same race. We're not on the same pace. And so you know what? I'm going to trust the Lord instead of trusting my ability to control. And so the questions to consider here are, are they moving in the direction you want to go? Specifically spiritually, because that, right, what, where their allegiance lies defines their values and their values define their goals and their goals define their direction. So is, are they going in the direction that you wanna go? And then secondly, are they running at the pace that will challenge you without discouraging or destroying you? Right, we can run with people. You can go out with somebody, but, but, but the pace that they're running at or that you're running at is always this, it's always a discouragement or slowly destroying your soul. Right, these are the questions we need to be asking. Number four, who should we date? Someone with whom you have chemistry. Someone with whom you have chemistry, and what I'm not talking about is romantic chemistry. I'm not talking about sexual chemistry, because newsflash, it all works, okay? God made it, it all, it all works together. So we're not talking about that kind of chemistry. We're talking about something deeper and more important and long-lasting. Romans 12, too, Paul writes, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Chemistry is in the mind and in the heart. That is the chemistry that we're talking about. Paul says, 
listen, renew your mind. Get a new mind. Think about it differently. Think about the way Jesus would think about it. Right? And when we do that, then you will be able to test, evaluate, and to approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so we have to do kind of some gymnastics probably because we've been trained to think about dating a certain way. We've been trained to think about sex a certain way. We've been told you need to do this and you need to try out this and you need to experiment here and figure out is there chemistry. I wanna give you four different types of chemistry that, we, that the world never talks about that are eternally important for a lifetime of marriage. The first one is do you have theological chemistry? All right? Do you align on the most important issues of faith? What I mean by this is church involvement. Strong convictions that you've had your whole life, that you believe that this is what God's word teaches and I am not letting go of it. Do you have chemistry in the theological things of life? Right, like this could even go to the fact like maybe you grew up in this denomination and they grew up in this denomination and you're like, hey, can we, what, what would we do? Where would we go to church? Where would we plug into a faith community? Like these are questions we should be asking. Like I know of marriages right now that they, they've, had, they've struggled for years to find a church home because they are wired differently theologically. And they, one likes this, this type of church and this type of uh, theology and, and so they, and they've, they've had a hard time. And so figuring out this idea of these strong convictions, these theological chemistry issues, because at the, at the end of the day, guys, these are the things like you're gonna raise a family and children with this person. What are they gonna teach them at bedtime? What is Bible, is the Bible important in your family? Will we go to church as a family? Will we, you know, like, like these, are, these are conversations that need to be had. Not on the first date, mind you, gentlemen, okay, just for those of you who take everything I say literally, back off, all right? Like this, this, this will we'll get there. If you need advice, like on practical, practicalities, please come talk to me. Come talk to Trayvon, gentlemen. We would love to help you. All right, on timing, on how to lay out this stuff, okay? The next piece of chemistry that, that needs to be there is social chemistry. Do you like hanging out together? This probably seems like a stupid question, but this is a really important thing because you can love people and not like them. Amen, right? You can. You can have fun with people you don't like depending on where you go. You can go to Disney World and have a great time with almost anyone. You can go to Hawaii on the beach and have a great time with almost anyone, but do you like them? This, this was a light bulb moment for me when I was about 24 years old, maybe 25. I was, I was uh, here in Oklahoma City and my roommate was engaged and we had this plumber come over our house. He's probably like 60 some years old. And uh, you know, he's, we're just kind of small talking it up and, and it comes up that my roommate was engaged and this plumber just stops and he turns and we're both sitting there. He's like, let me ask you a question. We're like, okay. We're gonna get some sage plumber advice here. <laughs> I was not expecting, but that's exactly what I got. He said, he, he asked my roommate, he's like, okay, I know you probably love her, but do you like her? And our 25-year-old egos were like, what is this old man talking about? <laughs> this is why people get divorced. Because they don't like each other. They probably still have someone who will love each other. They've been through life together, but they don't like each other anymore. 
So can you hang out with this person with, with no frills, no big agenda, no big trip? Can you hang out with this person? Because that's what marriage is. It's a lot of boring together. And it's wonderful. Like Taylor and I, like when we're in a car ride, we don't really talk. She reads her book. I drive. Kids are on their screens. Yes, we're that family. And we just enjoy being together. Maybe we'll hold hands occasionally, but not the whole time. Like, it's not this big romantic gesture. Like, we're just doing life together. And I like hanging out with her. She makes me laugh. Right? And so these questions, like, do you like being with this person? Social chemistry. Can you be in the same room and enjoy each other, whether you're right next to each other or across the room? Do you have to be like, oh, we gotta be physically touching the whole time? Or can you say, you know what? I like just knowing that you're here. And so... You don't have to be identical socially. Taylor's an introvert. I'm more of an extrovert. I like college football. She does not. She loves to read, book, read books for, for fun. That seems like torture to me. <laughs> so you don't have to be identical, all right? But you have to like the person and enjoy hanging out with them. The next piece of chemistry that you need to talk about at some point, not on the first day, but at some point, is vocational chemistry. Do your vocational goals and passions align? Right, and th th this is a lot of things. Do, like, do they, are they excited and support your career goals and do you get excited about theirs? Or maybe it's, it's even more so, like what type of lifestyle do you expect to have? And does your vocation include that? Like this was a big moment for me when I was dating Taylor. Like I knew I was called to full-time ministry and uh, I, didn't, I didn't, as a pastor, like I'm, like I'm here 15 years this spring and that is an anomaly, right? And so, thank you. But most pastors move like every three or four years. And so I remember sitting down with her when she didn't know, like I was evaluating her, but this was, this, I was nervous to ask this question. I was super scared because we were significantly into our relationship and we sat down, date night, had dinner, and I was just casually bringing up the conversation of like, you know, I, I feel I'm called to ministry. Like, and I tried to think of like the, the one place that like she wouldn't want to move or that I wouldn't want to really want to move. But now I've changed my mind. I wouldn't mind. This place is awesome. But we actually got one here, that guy that's from there. So Tyler, I'm sorry. But I was like, Taylor, what if God called me to pastor a church in Idaho? Would you be okay with that? In fact, I, I think I said, would you be excited to do that with me? And my heart stopped. I was like, what are you going to say? This could, be the, this could be the end. Because I'm like, I don't, I don't want to marry someone if she's like, no. Because she's from Oklahoma, right? She, she had, at that point in her life, had never lived more than an hour away from her home. And so the answer to that question was monumentally important for me. Because I didn't want to marry somebody that would resent what I do for a living. And so we had to have that conversation. And luckily, she's like, yeah, if that's, I don't want to, but if that's where God calls us, I'm all in. I was like, yes, <laughs> whew, crisis averted, right? And so is the person that you're dating, the person that you, that you hope to marry, right? These are the questions we're asking. Like, where do, your, where do your vocational dreams align? Like, do you want a huge house? Are you okay with a small house? Because the salary of my career is not that great. And so if you're expecting some huge deal, nice cars, like, oh, that's not, that's not me. And so here's two questions to consider. Oh, wait, sorry, I, I, I missed the last one. We need to have physical chemistry. 
all right? You're probably like, whew, thank you, Andy, for saying that. I was hoping you'd get to that at some point. Like, are you attracted to them physically? Like, this is an important thing. This is an important thing. It seems silly, but this is a good question to ask. Now, it is not the ultimate, nor should it be the first question you ask. But it is an important thing. I think it is absolutely fair that you like the face you look at and that you will wake up to the rest of your life. That is an okay thing to want. To be able to say, you know what? That face, I can do that. (laughs) All right? I like what I see. Like, that's okay. God gave us eyeballs for a reason. He gave us attraction for a reason. And I don't know if I've ever met anyone, guy or girl, that says, you know what? I'm okay if my, my significant other isn't physically attracted to me as long as they love my heart. No, no. Everyone wants to be like, you're beautiful. You're a handsome man, and I like looking at you, right? And so that needs to be part of the equation of this idea, like, you shouldn't have to force yourself to like them is what I'm saying, okay? So the questions to consider is, do you have alignment on these four things? This is not exhaustive. This is just my brain and, and, and some books that I've read put together on, in, into a sermon, all right? Is there... Alignment on these four things, physical, vocational, theological, and social. And then do you like spending time with them? Alone, nothing flashy, nothing's going on, there's no plans. Can you sit in silence with them and it's not awkward? Do you, can you just enjoy their company? Do you like being with them? And lastly, who should you date? Someone who is building a life, not waiting for a life. You should date someone who is building, actively building a life, not waiting for a life. 1 Corinthians 13, 11 gives us this principle. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Again, it's this biblical theme of growth and maturity. Ecclesiastes 2:14. The wise can see where they are going, but fools walk in the dark. We cannot fall into the trap that life begins when you find the one. That is a lie. You have a life right now, and it is a wonderful life. Your season of singleness is a wonderful gift. Take it from the guy who, who is married with a lot of kids. I was just talking with some of our young adult leaders just before this evening. Enjoy the season you have. You will never have more time, more energy, more freedom to do what you need to do. You'll never have more time to serve the Lord. You'll never have more time to to dig deep into God's word. Like I'm not resenting, I love my family. I love the gifts that come with it. But there are certain things that I miss about that life. All right, so this idea that you are gonna begin a life once you get married is, is a lie. Because the truth is you will be who you are now becoming. And you are becoming someone. And so it's important to ask yourself who, if you were to look at what you're doing now, what you are investing your heart into, what you're reading, what you're listening to, where you're spending your time, where you're putting your money, like what you're doing now is creating who you will be in five years. And I'm guessing for a lot of you in this room in five years, like I hope to be married in five years. All right, so what are you doing now to become the husband or wife that you hope and desire to be? And what are they doing? Because you are becoming, you are now, who are you becoming? 
Don't date the guy or gal who's waiting to get their life together. Are they maturing? Are they growing as a person? Are they fruitful and effective in God's kingdom? Is, are, are, are they submitted and committed to Christ and are they bearing fruit? Is their faith bearing fruit? And here's one thing that I think we can't, uh, I guess, overestimate or underestimate. I can't. Look at what they're actually doing, not what they hope to be doing. Okay? We, now, there is a time to talk dreams. There is a time to talk about aspirations. But what are they actually doing with their time? What are they actually doing with their money? What are they actually doing with their eyes and their mouth and their body and their whatever? Like don't, so like, oh, you wanna do this? Oh man, that sounds awesome, I would love to do that with you. All the while they're doing nothing right now. And so we need to look at what they're actually doing. Are they actually handling adult responsibilities? Right, that's, there, there's a whole bunch of stuff that could fall into that category. Like, are they actually adulting well? Or they're like, you know what? I'm just an eternal teenager. I'm just gonna, like, that's who I am. Like, that, that might be a red flag for you. It would be for me. Are they handling adult responsibilities? Are they taking care of themselves? Are they dealing and healing from past wounds and trauma? Right, this is the season to do that. Do they have addictions that they're not dealing with? I said this last week, there are no such things as marriage people problems. There's only single people problems that we bring into our marriages. And then it gets infinitely more complex and infinitely more hurtful because now you've brought someone else into the mess. It's this is the season that we, we, we deal with the things. Like, we, like, like low hanging fruit, right? Like are we dealing with debt as a single person? Like, are we disciplining our spending so that when we get to that point, we have the wonderful gift of saying, hey, I have adulted well, I have budgeted, I have been a good steward of what God has given me, I have handled these things. And so there is some truth here that we need to date someone who is building a life and not simply waiting for one to start. Like, what are we actually building? Because you are building a life. You are becoming someone right now, tonight, this week, this year, 2022, you are becoming somebody. The person that we date, the person we think about asking on a date, in my opinion, they need to be building a life without you so that you can know they can build a life with you. That you're building a life to invite someone into versus saying, hey, you do all the work. Once you're along, all right, then we'll get going. Like, that just puts a crazy amount of awkward pressure on that person. Like, I don't have a life. I really haven't done anything. But now that you're here, we can get started. Talk about dumbing just pressure on that person. And guess what? If it doesn't happen, it's their fault. And so we need to be building a life, growing and maturing. These things matter when you're looking for a lifetime and not just a good time. Because let's be honest, the temptation and a lot of our tendencies is to compromise and justify a lot of these things away. It's not that big of a deal, right? Because it feels good to be liked. It feels good to have plans this weekend. It feels good to be able to tell people, hey, I've got, I got asked out, we're going out, we're, it's going pretty well. 
And so our tendency is to compromise and justify away wisdom. And say, you know what, because I'm lonely, because I I really want this to happen, I'm gonna kind of turn a blind eye to some things that if you weren't desperate, you wouldn't be turning a blind eye to. And so my encouragement is don't lower your standards, strengthen your patience and trust and increase your trust in the Lord. Here's the crazy fact is that if you are a follower of Jesus, if you have committed and submitted yourself to Christ, you have trusted Jesus with your eternity. But for some reason we're like, but my dating life I can't trust you with. You can trust him with your eternity, you can trust him with your dating life. Because he is good. And God cares for you. He sees you, he knows it all. He knows the desires of your heart. And because he is a good father who gives good gifts, we trust him. We don't manipulate. We don't make decisions out of desperation, we trust. And so lengthen and strengthen your patience and strengthen your trust in the Lord. So who do you date? Someone with the same allegiance, someone with character, not just characteristics, someone who's running the same race at the same pace, someone to whom, with whom you have chemistry, and someone who is building a life, not waiting for a life. So what do we do with this? I wanna give you three steps to think about. Step one, figure out who and what you are looking for. I talk to too many young adults who just start dating because that's what you're supposed to do, that's what you wanna do, and you go and you're like, they have no idea what they're looking for. They cannot answer the question. What are you looking for? I don't know. Like it's, you gotta figure that out first because if it, once you figure that out, everything else becomes much more clear. The flip is also true. If you ask someone out and you have no idea what you're looking for, that is a dishonoring thing to do because you're taking their emotions and their feelings and their insecurities and you're saying, hey, let's roll the dice and see what happens. No. I wanna challenge you to figure out what are you looking for? Maybe it's this list, I don't know. But figure out what you're looking for. When you go shopping, you go shopping because you know what you're looking for. Well, most of you. Some of you just like the challenge, right? Just find a good deal. But when something's important, you know what you're looking for. For those of you who have bought a house, you knew what you're looking for. And when there was something wrong with the foundation, you're like, I'm out. That is too much money. And so we need to figure out what are you looking for? This is a great conversation to flesh out with those people around you that are in your community. All right, that, like, guys, let's, let's figure out what are we looking for here? So that they can be looking for you too. Step two, once you've figured out what you're looking for, increase your proximity to those people. All right? I'll talk to the gentleman here, just because we like bluntness. What I'm not saying is go be a creeper. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying like, all right, she's right there, that's kind of what I'm looking for, hey, what's going on? Like you're like, right, like don't do that. (laughs) That's weird. If you need help, come talk to me. Come talk to Trey. Like, we'll help you with, with the social awkward. Like, we'll help you with that. All right, but increase your proximity. Find out, all right, if I'm looking for this, where are those people? And then I'm gonna go invest there. And maybe that's here at the gathering. Maybe it's back at your church or I, mean, I don't know where. Like, you, where, where, you figure out what you're looking for and then increase the proximity. Because when you increase proximity, you can do several things without even going on a date. You can do a lot of work before you go on a date. You can observe them. 
from a close proximity. Maybe you go serve with them or near them. Like in our Sunday school, maybe you go sit next to them at the table. Like at our retreat, we watch this happen all weekend. Like, I'm gonna go sit at that table. I see, I see, okay. Well, like we see that, people, okay? As staff, we see it happening. We're not dumb. Right, you can observe them. You get around them. You put, their, you put yourself in a position to be around them because as much as we, wanna, we, we pray for it, God is not gonna bring that person to your front door. And be like, hey, uh, God told me to come to your house because I'm the one for you. And if they do, don't open the door. <laughs> All right? No, like you say you want that. No, you don't. You don't want that kind of attention. But when you increase proximity, you get around them, then you have an opportunity to talk to them. And, you, and when you talk to them, you get to share your thoughts with them. And then you get to listen to how they respond to what you say. And so you figure out, what are you looking for? And then increase the proximity to be around them more. Like I used to do this, I used to set up uh, volunteer events back when I was in K-Life because I knew Taylor was a volunteer. And if I create a volunteer event, guess who has to come? Taylor. That's what I did. I would find reasons to call her, be like, hey, I need your, your art major. I got, true story. She was an art major, and I was like, we're gonna paint the inside of this room. I knew who I could call for advice on what color to pick. <laughs> I called her, I'm like, hey, you're an art major, you know colors, what do you think? She's like, probably a beige. I'm like, that's what I thought, all right. Will you come help me buy it? Like, you know, like, find out ways to get around them. You can do, and you can do all those things without ever going on a date. Without putting your heart on the line, you can find out, you can find out these things. And then thirdly, step three. If you've figured out who, who you are looking for, you've increased that proximity and, and, and your heart is starting to move a little bit, prayerfully and graciously evaluate. Ask the hard questions prayerfully and graciously. Because the reality is you will not marry a perfect person. And so as you evaluate, do it graciously, knowing that they're not a finished product. Do it graciously without gossiping about them. If you see something that's a red flag, you don't go tell everybody, you say, you know what, I just, okay, I, just, I need to know that. And I need to not pursue. Or you know what, I need to pursue. Because the evaluation process left to ourselves is probably not a great and wise proposition. We need to bring our people in. We need to open God's word. We need to fall on our knees and say, God, help me. Help me to know your good, pleasing, and perfect will. Renew my mind that I would see this process the way you want to use it in my life. So as I close, I just want to say this. There's one last thing I want to add, and I've said this before in, in messages I've given on dating, is that you know, you're young and fun, and you want someone to enjoy life with, and that's awesome, because that's ultimately why we get married. We just wanna enjoy life with someone, and that's awesome, that's great. It's a great gift from God. But can I add one question to your dating filter? Who do you want by your side when life sucks? When you are in the valley of the shadow of death, is that someone you want right next to you? Because what you don't want in those moments is someone who does not share your allegiance. What you don't want is someone who can only have fun when you're on a, on a trip. What you don't want is someone who just has characteristics but no depth of character. Because life is not just Disney World. 
life is not just honeymoon. And I've been married long enough where we have been through some deep valleys. And praise God, because I didn't have these messages when I was dating, but praise God, I married a woman who I want right next to me at that hospital bed. And so that's, that's a filter down the road. That's not first date stuff, okay? But at some point, like, hey, could I walk through the hard things of life with this person and know they are gonna be a rock that I need when my life is crumbling, when my parents are dying? Is this the person I want with me on that, on that marathon? I hope these are encouraging to you. I hope they're hopeful that maybe you can walk out of here tonight with just maybe a new filter of like, hey, let's, let's renew the way we think about dating. Let's think about it differently because we are hopefully dating for a lifetime. And when you're dating for a lifetime and not just a good time, it ma- these things matter. And so I hope you can walk out of here hopeful and with some direction, with maybe some wisdom that you previously have not had. I hope it spurs good conversation in your small groups, in your ride home. If you're dating tonight, I hope these bring up good conversation. So with that, we're gonna, we're gonna go 120 seconds, leave a couple things on the screen, and then uh, we'll, we'll sing another song and, and worship the Lord because we can trust him with our dating life. Because you can trust him with your marriage and you can trust him with your eternity. So let's pray. Lord, I wanna thank you for tonight. Lord, thanks for your word, God, that, that guides us with some principles even though your word doesn't specifically talk about dating as we know it in 2021, God, your word does give us very clear principles on who we should be, right? The kind of people, God, that you're calling us to be as followers submitted and committed to you, that we would live for your glory. God, that we would trust you in the, in the small things. We would trust you with the big things and everything in between. Lord, I pray for those in this audience tonight, those who are online with us. God, I pray for those who have been wounded and hurt. God, I pray that you'd bring healing. Because God, it says, your word says that you are close to the brokenhearted. Lord, you know what it feels like to be brokenhearted. And Lord, I pray that they would not turn to soothing things of this world, but they would turn to you. They would not self-medicate, they would turn to you and cry out to you. And God, as we go and we pursue one another, brothers and sisters in Christ, as we pursue one another, God, I pray you give us wisdom and you give us discernment that we would not judge people because we're not perfect, but we would judge wisely, but not with a judgmental and critical heart. Because God, these are your brothers your children, these are your daughters, these are your sons, and these are your brothers, and these are your sisters. So God, help us speak in a way that is kind. Help us to evaluate in a way that is wise. That you would get the glory when it's all said and done. And it would be for our good. In your son's name, amen.